I want to share with you what it means to pray with your whole heart. Uh, I want to start off saying that um, it was September the 28th, 1984, and that was a Friday, that Friday evening. Uh, I went to bed, I went to sleep, and um, when I went to sleep, immediately uh, I was in the presence of Jesus, and um, I was in our church service for that Sunday morning. He showed me that that service that Sunday morning is what was taking place. And I was preaching, and all of a sudden, um, someone tapped me on my uh, right shoulder, and I turned around, and it was Jesus. And he told me that um, there was a lady in the church, and her name is Maureen Pruitt from O'Fallon, Missouri. And he told me that um, where she was sitting, and pointed to her, and told me what was wrong with her, that there was some uh, sort of a female problem that was wrong with her. And he says, Mel, if you'll learn to pray with your whole heart, that my anointing will always go into people, and if they'll receive uh, with their whole heart, that they'll always receive a miracle. And so when he said that, it was just like volumes of information came to me, and every time I think about it, uh, see, the Word of God is alive, and so it continues to grow and gets simpler and fuller uh, and more powerful. And so Sunday morning came, and so uh, I'm up preaching, and right in the middle of my sermon, I looked over exactly where the vision uh, previous that Friday uh, night, and there was the lady, and her name was Maureen Pruitt. And uh, so I called her up, and I asked her if she had that problem, and she said she did. And so I prayed for her the way that Jesus explained, and she was immediately healed. And many years have passed, and every time I've run on to her, that uh, she says there's still no problems. So I want to talk about what it means to pray with your whole heart. That's a very scriptural principle. And um, I could talk about it for hours, but I'm just going to highlight... Um, some scriptures and give you some practical examples from the scripture, uh, some teaching from the scripture, as well as give you some e examples uh, that are prevalent and have taken place um, in my lifetime and are taking place even today. That, um, okay, uh, the best scriptural uh, explanation would be Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22, where Jesus said, the light of the body is the eye. If your eye is single, your whole body shall be full of light. If you study that passage of Scripture out in the Greek, as well as study uh, that passage of Scripture out in the context of that chapter, as well as in context with the rest of the Bible, you'll find that the word light is in reference to God's Shekinah glory which is God's greatest miracle-working power, his light. Uh, in the book of Habakkuk, the Bible says in chapter 3, right around verse 3 and 4, especially in the Amplified, it spells it out real plain. It says that God has sunlight splendor streaming forth from his hands, and in that sunlight splendor is the hiding place of his power. And so that's the light that we're talking about. And the, Bible, and the word I in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22 is in reference to your mental and your spiritual eye. 
and then the word body, that it's in reference, and you can look right in the Greek, and it'll spell it out real plain. It's in reference to your spirit, your mind, and your physical body. So let me just say this real quickly without, we could spend a lot of time just talking about Matthew 6.22, but I believe the Lord wants me to give more scriptures, and then you can look at it yourself and 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 get the fuller meaning. Um, okay, so if your mind and your spirit is single, then your spiritual eye and your mental eye will be one. Now your mental eye uh, can see anything that uh, has been introduced to it. Uh, in essence, um, any knowledge, any knowledge that has been introduced to the mind, then the mind can see it. For example, an apple has been introduced to my mind, and so I don't have to have an apple in my presence to know what an apple looks like. I can see an apple with my mind. Well, uh, the same applies to our spiritual eye. We have spiritualized. Our spiritual person is our eternal person, and it has eyes. And so our spiritual eye can also see spiritual things once that knowledge has been introduced to it. Now, let me say this. What's more powerful, temporal knowledge or God's supernatural divine knowledge? Of course, God's knowledge. And so if any natural knowledge can be applied to my mind and then I can see it in my mind's eye, then how much more with my spiritual eye? So, with my spiritual eye, it has been introduced to the Word of God. And so now, my uh, spiritual eye and my uh, mental eye has become one because my mental eye read the Word of God, and so it believes it, and so my spiritual eye does the same thing. And, and so when I do that, that causes me to be single-minded. And in the book of James, in chapter 1, the Bible says, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. They'll receive nothing from God. And so it's so important for us to be single-minded, to be focused on one thing. And um, so if we do that, if we focus on what God's Word has to say, because that's what it says. When it says it, and we believe that with our uh, with our mind, and we believe that within our spirit, immediately wants to believe that if we're a born-again Christian. And so then immediately that uh, uh, we begin to focus, and it causes our spirit, our mind, and our flesh to be full of God's light, our glory, his power, which causes a manifestation of miracles and healings. Now, I know I've said a lot of things, and uh, it may sound a little technical, and so I'm going to simplify it with a a real practical illustration that the, God, that the Lord has given me, that uh, any of us, a child can do this. It's so simple that a child can do this. A child can go outside, take a magnifying glass, put a piece of paper on the ground or a lot of paper, and start a fire. And so what they've got to do is the sun is outside all the time. You know, it's out there all the time, but it doesn't cause a fire. What it needs that the sun needs an instrument called a magnifying glass. Then that magnifying glass has to be focused. It can't move around. 
It can't go up and down. It has to be stable and focused on one thing, and that causes the power of the sun to go through the magnifying glass, an instrument, and then it produces fire. Well, God is in our presence all the time. The book of Hebrews in chapter 13 and uh, verse 5, the Bible says he'll never leave us and never forsake us. So he's always with us. But God needs an instrument that, number one, believes his word, that really believes his word, and then we'll focus on his word. Then we have the power of the Son of God, which is the word of God, because God uh, and his word are the same, and Jesus is the word of God. And so when we take God's word, so God needs an instrument that will focus. That's a human being. And so when human beings will read God's word, believe it, and focus just what the word has to say, then the power of God comes through us and then goes to that appointed area, uh, for example, another human being, and there's a miracle instantly. And so that's sort of a, a real good example and some real good teaching of what it means to be um, single-minded or to pray with your whole heart. When you're praying with your whole heart, you're being single-minded. Your whole heart, your spirit, your mind is being focused on one thing. Let me give you another uh, real good uh, Bible uh, example uh, in the scriptures where that this took place. In 2 Kings in chapter 20, it talks about this story of Hezekiah and also in Isaiah in chapter 38. And you'll find the story there to where that Isaiah, the prophet of God, went to Hezekiah and told Hezekiah, Hezekiah, now I'm, I'm just, you know, in, in, rather than to... Uh, quote this, these entire chapters, uh, chapter 20 in 2 Kings or Isaiah chapter 38. I'm just going to highlight uh, the points. And that is Isaiah came to, to Hezekiah and told Hezekiah, God has said, put your house in order because you're going to die. Now, if God says you're going to die, you're going to die. But the Bible also says that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall when he heard this. And he prayed with his whole heart. Now, I want to back up and talk about God speaking through Isaiah. And he did. It was, that was authentic and that was valid. God told Isaiah to tell Hezekiah, you're going to die. But you've got to realize that all prophecy is conditional. And so uh, we all have the blessings of God. And there isn't a higher authority of prophecy than God's word and so but God's word and prophecy is conditional this is what's going to happen if we meet the conditions and so uh, under the conditions Hezekiah is going to die and so Hezekiah changed and so therefore the will of God changed and as you study the Bible in Romans in chapter 12 it talks about the three wills of God there's the good will of God there's the acceptable will of God and the perfect will of God. And so in every one of those situations that um, uh, the will of God changes. And God didn't change, but he has uh, a, a will for those that uh, uh, will just be in his acceptable will. And that's the lowest order of God's will. But if we'll walk closer to God, make some corrections in our life, then we can get into the good will of God. 
However, I like the perfect will of God. That's the grand finale of God's blessings. And uh, so that requires me getting in line with God's word. Because, see, God watches over his word to perform it. Okay. Uh, so now looking at Isaiah chapter 38 again in 2 Kings and chapter 20, the Bible says Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall. If you'll study what that passage means throughout the scripture, you'll find that Hezekiah turned away from everything. It didn't make any difference uh, about his agenda, you know, his job tomorrow. It didn't make any difference about any appointments. It didn't make any difference uh, about any meals that he may, his body may want. It didn't make any difference about any requirements of his flesh, such as water, that he turned his face, or even going to the bathroom, that he was focused with one thing, and that is, I've got to touch the throne of God. I've got to make a change with my whole heart because I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And so he turned his face towards the wall, forgot everything else. I don't care if I I don't care about going to the bathroom. I don't care about getting a drink of water that today that is going to be a different day for me because I am going to pray until there is a change. That's what it means to pray with your whole heart that nothing else matters, that you have to have a change. You have to have uh, God's blessings. You have to have his power in your life. And then the Bible says that Isaiah didn't even get out of the middle court, and God spoke to Isaiah and said, Now, Isaiah, I've heard Hezekiah's, I've heard his prayers. I see his heart. I feel his tears. Go back and tell Hezekiah that I'm going to add 15 more years and I'm going to heal his land. So he not only did he give him 15 more years and he didn't die, but he gave him a bonus that was better than that. And that's what will take place when we pray with our whole heart and, and live for God with our whole heart, that our request will be so small that God will meet the request, meet the need, but the bonus is greater than that. And so now you might think, well, you know, he prayed with his whole heart. How long did that take him? If you'll study, and I looked in Unger's uh, Bible Dictionary, and Unger says that uh, the whole court from outside to outside was only 600 feet. And it said that Isaiah didn't even leave the middle court. So uh, the middle court would be in the, the center of the outer court. But let's just say, for example, that, uh, you know, he walked the whole court. That's the, that's the furthest he could have possibly walked would be 600 feet. I'm more inclined to think that he didn't walk more than 300 feet. How long does it take you to walk 600 feet, even taking your time? Three minutes, four minutes, just dragging your feet, you'll, you'll make it in four minutes. And so God heard Hezekiah's prayer. Hezekiah changed his destiny, changed his situation in four minutes. Now, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long for God's power to be activated. It's just up to us. 
if we have half-hearted prayers, well, you know, you're going to get half-hearted answers. And some people, they have to pray all night until finally, the last two minutes, they get where that they just pray with their whole heart. And so if you can learn to pray with your whole heart, like Hezekiah, that you can see a manifestation of God in less than four minutes. And often I see instant manifestations, even on our church service last night, and we uh, finally, we just, this was our church service, first church service where that we had, um, uh, I forget what you call it, in other words, it's uh, open to the whole world on the internet, uh, I forget the, the terms, I'm not familiar with it, it's kind of a new avenue for me, but anyway, it's, so it, it's available. And we had a few miracles. There was a, a particular man that I'd never seen in my life. And um, he had been to chiropractors and all sorts of doctors. And, and he was living in pain and, and had a brace on his leg and everything. And, uh, but it was underneath his clothes, so I couldn't see it. And I looked into his body, and I seen the problem. I seen a problem in his lower back and down his right leg. And I prayed with my whole heart. I commanded that spirit and the problem to leave. And instantly, we're only talking 20 seconds, 20 seconds. And the man was able to do things that he hasn't done for a long time. And he was totally made free and healed. And we had a few others of the same thing. And so what I want to say is the Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. So God will do for us everything he did for anybody in the in an old testament and even more and if that's not true then we didn't need jesus to come jesus came lived and died in vain if we don't have a better covenant established upon better promises if god will not do something better for us than what he did for the people in the old testament so that tells me at a maximum that um if, if if it was, if it took Hezekiah four minutes to pray, then God will answer my prayer at least no more than three minutes and 59 seconds. That's not bad to, to have the miracle-working power of God working for you. We have a new covenant established upon better promises. And I've seen the dead rise because I've prayed with my whole heart in just a few seconds. And so it doesn't take long. And, uh, and so there's a lot of miracles that takes place when people learn to pray with their whole heart. Um, I want to also give you uh, a teaching of what it means to pray with your whole heart with a, today's example. In the book of Philippians, in chapter 4, verse 13, a very familiar passage of Scripture in which uh, uh, we're all very familiar with it. And as Christians, we've quoted this so many times, uh, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so I'm going to turn my Bible there and um, just kind of just interrogate this passage of Scripture so that we can get a better understanding exactly what God is saying uh, in the Scriptures that um, Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, one of the things we need to understand is that all of our 
Bibles today in our modern English vernacular. They're either versions or translations. And so um, the real um, uh, accurate word of God would, of course, be in the Greek and in the Hebrew writings of the New and Old Testament. And uh, I found this out by just uh, traveling all around the world that uh, I've been to uh, 29 different countries in the world, predominantly third world countries, and many of them I've been to as many as 15 times. And I know that uh, I have to have interpreters when I go to many of these countries, most of them. And uh, I find that interpreters, many times I might say just one sentence and it takes them a whole paragraph to explain what I've said. And the reason is that there are words in some languages that that there are no exact uh, interchangeable terms that uh, are co-equal, and so sometimes it takes a whole paragraph to explain it. And um, and so when we look at these words, then it gives us a fuller understanding. And this is a real good example right here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now the word, or, or the phrase rather, I can do, is just one single word in the Greek. And in the Greek, that fuller meaning are uh, co-equal terms for I can do. In the Greek it says, verbatimly it says this, it says forcefulness, exercise, much work. And so let's look at this. As I am forcefully exercising much work, then through Christ, he strengthens me. And the word strengthen in the Greek is the Greek word deutimus. And as you study the word deutimus, you find that it is God's greatest miracle working power. So, as I am forcefully exercising much work, doing everything I can mentally, spiritually, physically, then that activates God's greatest miracle-working power. See, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says that God hastens his word to perform it. He's watching over his word to perform it. He's not watching over the letter. He's watching over the spirit. When I give, or any human being gives physical, spiritual, mental actions with their whole heart, doing it with their whole heart, God's Word, it activates the miracle-working power of God. Actions activate God's power when we're doing everything that the Bible has to say. And you see in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, here Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. That word violent in the Greek is to energetically, forcefully take. And so uh, that passage also is a very good description of what it means to pray with your whole heart. When you are doing everything you can mentally, spiritually, and physically, Every, with, with all you've got, then we take the blessings of the kingdom of God. 
And you'll notice that Jesus had taught the disciples to pray, and he taught the disciples to pray. Uh, they came to him and asked him how to pray, and he says, Pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, just like it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no sickness, there's no sorrow, there's no problems. And so Jesus also taught the disciples, and he says, the, he, he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He also said, I, and so if something's at hand, that means it's close by, it's nearby. And then he also said that I give you the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom of God is God's words. And so we have many keys. Every uh, avenue of thinking is a different key. There's scriptures for, for healing. There's scriptures for uh, financial blessings. There, there's scriptures for safety, for deliverance. You name it, Whatever there is, wherever there is a need or a concern, God has many promises to validate that we can have victory in that area. That's a key. That's a promise from God. So now Jesus paid the price when he died on the cross. He paid the price so that we can have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven blessings here on this earth. And so God's not the problem. He's already given us these blessings. As you'll study the Bible, you'll find in the New Testament that there are over 700, over 700 verses in the Bible that says the same thing as 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where it says, according to his divine power, and his divine power is his word. So according, Romans 1, 16 says the word of God, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so God has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so this took place because of Jesus dying on the cross. He paid the price so that we can have the heavenly blessings called the kingdom of heaven blessings here on this earth. And so God's not the problem. He's, he's already completed his job. And so it's the devil that is the withholder. The Satan is the thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so if we want these heavenly blessings, then we have to energetically, forcefully take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And so we're taking these heavenly blessings that Satan is withholding, and we take them by force. Now let's get back here to uh, Philippians in chapter 4 verse 13, because I want to give you a practical illustration of how this works. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So in the Greek, as I am forcefully exercising much work, then it activates God's dutimous miracle working power. When, I, when this first came to life to me, that um, it would have been 1969, and I was in the military at Fort Riley, and I had a 1966 Mustang, and I loved that car because, you know, I'm American Indian, and I was raised extremely poor, and um, uh, so I never really had anything very nice. And this was the very first nice thing I'd ever owned in my life. And it was a few years old, but it was still, I, I loved that car. And um, 
And so I, every day I cleaned that car, pulled maintenance on it, made sure that everything was up to, up to uh, it was good, in good working order. And uh, I'm telling you, the, the motor would be clean enough that you could probably just about eat off of it. It was, I, I, I just took care of it immaculately because I was so proud to finally have something nice. And so one evening that I drove to off base um, to the next town, I think that was called Junction City, uh, Kansas, I think that's where it was at, and there was a uh, kind of a, a rough area in town, but they had um, an oil-changing rack and many years ago that there was racks that you could drive an automobile up the rack, and then it would level off, and it would be up in the air five and a half, six feet, and then you could walk under this rack and work on your car. You could change the oil, grease it, that sort of thing. And so I wanted to go change my oil, and so I drove it up this rack, and when I got to the top of the rack, my left tire, I drove off of the rack. So now the car is hanging halfway off. One three tires are on the rack, one tire is off. And so it's, and so I got out of my car, I looked at the situation, and I was extremely touched, extremely, because this, I felt in those years there wasn't anybody that in this world that really cared too much for me, but maybe a couple, maybe my father and my mother and, and this Mustang and God. And that's, that was my life and, and my parents weren't around and so it's just me and my Mustang and God. So I stood under that car and that particular, now I commit, I recommitted my life to God at the age of 17 and that year, um, see, I was first, I was born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, June 17th, 1958, and that was on a Tuesday morning about 10 o'clock. And shortly after that, I had a real bad experience with a, a pastor that embarrassed me horribly. And, um, and so that really was like driving a, a stake in my heart. Just, it just, it just killed me. And so I turned away from God and got involved in a lot of uh, sin and, and uh, got involved in a motorcycle gang very young. And so um, I even tried to commit suicide three times before I joined, and before I turned 17. And so I, at the age of 17, that, uh, well, when I was 16, I signed up for the Marine Corps to go to Vietnam just to die. And... Um, so the Marine Corps said that they couldn't take me until it was like January, and my birthday was November the 6th. And uh, so after about two weeks, I was just a miserable person because I didn't want to live any longer. And so I thought, well, if I can go to the mil if I go in the military, sign up for infantry, and volunteer to go to Vietnam, I'll run out in front of the enemy, and and it'll be over. So anyway, after about a couple of weeks, the Marine Corps, thinking that the Marine, I had already signed up and says, yes, I'll go, I'll go, for sure they'd send me, I thought. And then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to talk to the Army. And I went down to the Army about a couple of weeks later, and they said, oh, we'll take you immediately one day after your uh, 17th birthday, and we promise you'll put, we'll send you to Vietnam. Upshot of the whole thing was they didn't send me to Vietnam. There was a law back then that 17-year-olds couldn't go on 
the battlefield until you were eight, you could not go until you were 18 years of age. So they sent me to Korea, and so at the age of 17, I, I had an extremely dramatic experience, and and um, it changed my life. And I started living for God, and I read the New Testament six times that year at the age of 17, memorized over 200 verses. And I didn't do this to try to impress anybody. I wasn't doing this uh, for any other reason but that I needed to save my brain. I needed to save myself from all those demons that uh, harassed me and uh, used me and uh, worked through me. And so that's the reason I did that. And so, of course, I knew Philippians 4.13. So now I'm underneath this card for Riley uh, Kansas, well, it was Junction City, Kansas, and uh, my car's down, and immediately, you know, I cried out to God. I said, God, I need your help. If this car stays here overnight in this bad area, that it'll be vandalized. And so immediately, Philippians 4.13 came to my mind, and the Bible says that God will bring to your remembrance. That's the reason why it's so important to study the Word of God, to memorize the Word of God. God can't bring to your remembrance something that you haven't remembered and so he brought to my remembrance Philippians 4:13, and I didn't have anybody to uh, religiously brainwash me to tell me that uh, the Bible doesn't mean what it says. And so I believed that it meant what it said—that God's supernatural power would come on me like it did with Samson. And so I put my hands on the car, and I was energetically forcing that car to lift up. With all of my mind, all of my spirit, and see, my spirit could believe that because it, it grabs a hold of Philippians 4.13. Our spirits always want to grab a hold of the Word of God and believe it. And so my spirit and my mind was in one agreement. Now my body was because my body was energetically forcing with everything I can to lift up that car with my bare hands, the front of that car. I was going to lift up the front end of that car and put it back on the rack. That's what I believed, because I believed the Bible. I believed God. And guess what? The car didn't move. It felt like I was lifting a mountain. Uh, a 1966 Mustang weighs about 25 to 2,700 pounds. Humanly impossible to lift up, but all things are possible through those that believe. And if you really believe that you're going to have some uh, actions, some physical actions to believe that, uh, that, that, that verifies that you believe God's Word. And then all of a sudden, the car felt like, like it weighed five pounds, and I lifted it up with my bare hands and put it on the rack. That's what it means to pray with your whole heart. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you as you know what the Word of God has to say and you refuse to accept defeat. You refuse to, to compromise with the Word of God and you refuse what circumstances have to say, what people have to say, that you refuse everything else and you just stay focused like that magnifying glass. You refuse to take it off of anything else. Then the glory of God, the power of God, goes through you and then to the destination of the, the desire of your heart that is scriptural, and, it, and then you have a manifestation. And so that was a, a real live an example that, 
that that I experienced and uh, I seen it by myself and it doesn't make any difference what anybody ever says, anybody ever thinks, I don't care. I was there. Nobody can ever take that out of my heart. Nobody can take that miracle away. And so after September the 28th, 1984, when Jesus told me to pray with my whole heart, I started understanding because over the years, there's been times that I'd pray with my whole heart, but I didn't know I was praying with my whole heart. But since September the 28th, 1984, now I was putting the puzzle together and beginning to see what it meant to pray with my whole heart. And so then, of course, that it was just the, the um, results of my prayers just increased dramatically, just uh, supernaturally, just it was phenomenal how much more because now I knew what Jesus was talking about I knew what the word of God was talking about now I knew how to make a withdrawal and 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 take the word of God and pull it into the natural world pulling the spiritual blessings and promises of the kingdom of God into this natural world and it's praying with your whole heart um one of the examples and we have a video of this and I'm still looking for it um, because it's so old, it was back in 1990 or 1991, that was the first time I thought, you know, I want to start going to third world countries where people really hurt and help them with this teaching that Jesus has given me to pray with people with their whole heart. And so I went down to the, to Monterey, uh, Mexico, and back in those years, that's um, I don't mean to be... Uh, irreverent with the people. I, I don't know how else to say this. The, the people were extremely humble, loving, treated me like a king, but they, they were extremely poor people, and they lived around the garbage dump, and they just had little shacks around the garbage dump. So that's where I wanted to go, and we went there to hold a, a crusade, and Pastor uh, Bill Clifton can verify this. Him and his wife, Carmelita, was there, my wife and two of my daughters were there. They saw this, and there was a lady. I, I called up people that were deformed, and there was a lady about 35 years of age. She had a hump on her back that was probably about six inches thick. Her back was bent over from deformity. She had one leg at least six to eight inches shorter than the other one. She was born that way. So she comes hobbling up on the platform, and I believe in I believe in doing what the Bible says. First Corinthians in chapter two, verse four and five, the Bible says that I come not with excellency of speech, but I come with demonstration and power, so that your faith would stand in the power of God and not just in an excellent sermon or teaching. And so I always bring people on the platform. At least I'll bring quite a few on the platform openly so that people can see the power of God in operation, especially if, you know, I go places like India where we'll have 30 or 35,000 in one crowd. I'd be there for a week praying for each, each individual, so I'll just demonstrate maybe a dozen real difficult cases, and then I show them that I'm just praying with my whole heart. I'm not even touching the people. And, I, you know, it is scriptural to touch people. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But the highest order of God's miracle-working power is his word, because the word of God is the power of God. And so I show them. I just stretch forth my hand, and I speak the word. 
and don't touch the people because especially in third world countries and big crowds, then everybody wants you to touch them. And, and so uh, I demonstrate it, and then I will do a mass prayer. But I like to demonstrate the Word of God. I think it's very scriptural. It needs to be done. People need to see this where we have undeniable miracles. So I brought the lady up on the platform, and I asked for two chairs and set her on the chair so people could openly see the deformity of her, of her body, her back bent over, the big hump back, and the leg that is so much shorter. I spoke the Word of God. And as I spoke the word of God, that we had a miracle within 15 to 20 seconds, that this lady, now here, now, now she's receiving with her whole heart. Remember I told you earlier, Jesus told me that I can pray with my whole heart. And the anointing, and he told me it will always go. And so now, 100% of the time, I know how to release the anointing for instant manifestations. But now that people need to... Uh, learn to receive with their whole heart. And so sometimes I have to do some teaching so that people understand how to uh, to receive. And um, and they have to receive it. They have to be wholehearted. And so what this lady did, it, this lady, she began to just push her leg out with her whole heart. She's pushing with her whole heart. She's pushing her body to be correct, to be straightened, her back to be straightened. Her body is shaking because she's pushing with her whole heart. She's not shaking because of some kind of a spiritual manifestation. She's shaking because she's straining. She's straining to make her body obey the word of God. And then it was just, this this went on just for a few seconds. But she's sweating. She's pushing with her whole heart. She's energetically forcing herself to take the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And so she was forcing her body, and, and within 15 seconds, 10, 15 seconds, that leg just began to grow out. And when the leg started growing, when it first started growing, I'd be willing to say in three to four seconds, it grew to its normal size, to, to the normal size of the other leg perfectly. The, the humpback just dissipated, disappeared. It just it started vanishing as her body straightened out. And then she stood up and started dancing. And those, and this was in front of a crowd of somewhere between, oh, maybe 700 to 1,200 people. And there was that instant manifestation because she did it with her whole heart. Praying is really using the highest order of praying is taking God's Word and presenting it to God. And so when we present God's Word with our whole heart, we are praying with our whole heart, and she received an instant manifestation. And, and so we see this all the time with all sorts of, of, of miracles, of people receiving miracles. Um, I can just tell stories after stories of, of people receiving those, those kind of miracles because they pray with their whole heart. Let me give you some other examples of praying with your whole heart that um, maybe when it has to do with finances that um, maybe you need an automobile. And I'm going to give you an extreme example. But And some people, they, they may say, well, you know, uh, you sound very extremist. And I am an extremist. 
I extremely believe the word of God is truth. Jesus was an extremist. He extremely believed he had the power of God. So so much that he raised the dead, that he did great miracles, even walked on water. And so I extremely believe the word of God is truth. And I can remember uh, several years ago that um, my wife and I were struggling financially, very much so. And um, so I began to pray and pray and pray and pray because we needed a, a new automobile. The automobile that we had was really just a piece of junk. And I can remember seeing other people driving around with nice cars, seeing this guy driving around, and he's in the mafia. He has a shark skin suit on and driving a pretty brand new fancy car. And I'm thinking, dear God, this guy works for the devil and he is living so nice. And I can't even have a decent car that I'm not even sure if it's going to start half the time. And I, I live for you, God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so I begin to pray and pray and pray. And finally, you know, it, it wasn't that it took so long. Really, I probably prayed for two or three months. But um, it it finally got to the place to where that I just, there was one moment at the end where I just finally just prayed with my whole heart and said, Dear God, I need a new car. And then I heard God speak. Not in an audible voice, but just a perception. And that's predominantly the way that God speaks today. Uh, he, he, you know, he, the Bible said that uh, I could teach two or three hours on on the uh, being led by the Holy Spirit. But the bottom line is Psalms thirty seven four. If you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. And so, if you love the Lord more than anything else, you can trust the desires of your heart, not the desires of your flesh, the desires of your heart. And the desires of your heart, that's your spirit is going to be a desire that is in agreement with the Word of God. And so God, He gives us the desires of our heart. And so um, it was like that I perceived in my heart God saying, well, Mel, why don't you just go down there to a, a new car dealership and and um, and just get you a car? And so I says, well, God, I you know, this is all I can believe you for, this amount of money. And so... It was just like the Holy. I had peace in my heart that the Holy Spirit said, "Well, go." And so I went back in those years. This was many, many years ago. That I felt that the best car there was was a Buick, and that's what I wanted. So I, we went down to the Buick dealer, and I seen a brand new car out there on the lot, and man, it was shiny and it was beautiful, and it was a Burgundy Buick. And Burgundy is my favorite color. I'm not full-blooded Indian. If I was full-blooded Indian, I'd want a red one, but I guess because of my mixture, I've got. Uh, I like Burgundy. And I went over there and I looked at it and I said, Donna, let's go look at that car. We went over there and looked at it and it was Burgundy on the inside. So I said, let's, and so I said, Donna, let's just lay our hands on this car and claim it in Jesus' name. So we, we uh, laid our hands on the car and I looked up to heaven and I said, Wankton Tonka, watch it, Lila, watch day. Thank you, dear God. You're a good God. That's what that means in Lakota, in the Lakota language. I said, I thank you for this car. I thank you in Jesus' name. Then I went into the dealership, and I uh, told the man, I says, I, that's my car out there. I says, I, I want to go ahead and buy that. So he filled out the contract, and uh, 
I looked at the contract and I seen his figure. I crossed his figure out and I put my little figure in there, which was uh, probably just about 60% of the, the, the value of, of what he had. And so I was knocking off about 40%. I signed it, turned the contract to the gentleman, to the dealership, and he looked at me and he just laughed. And he said, That's, that, this is really funny. This is the funniest thing that I've seen in a long time. I said, no, no, this is not a joke. This isn't a joke. Uh, that's a valid contract. Take that to your boss. And, and so we kind of debated a little bit, and so finally he took it to his boss, and he came back, and his boss knocked off probably about, oh, I don't know, maybe $1,500 or something like that. And uh, so I crossed his figure out again, and I put my little figure again, signed it, and he says, look, my boss was gracious to knock off that much. He's not gonna. He he ain't gonna do this. This is this is this was is crazy. As in essence, he went back a total of four times. Well, not a total of five times, but the fourth time he finally came back. And each time we bickered back and forth, and I'd always do the same thing. The figure that I told God I can believe him for. So the fourth time he came back, and he was only one hundred dollars away. But see, I'd already made an agreement with God, and I believe in being a, a person of your word. And this is what I told God, and I felt like that's the figure that God would honor. So anyway, he was $100 away. I crossed that off, put my figure. The man got extremely angry with me. He says, I've never seen a deal this good in my life. He says, you mean you're going to pass up a deal of a lifetime for $100? And I said, this is a figure I told you from the very beginning that I will pay. He took it back to his boss, and he came back. He threw the contract on the desk, threw the keys down, and he says, there's your figure. Now will you sign the contract, and will you take your car? I said, yes, I will. And so that you can pray with your whole heart. We are not subject to this world system. We're not subject to this world's economy, that God is our source. And so uh, you can be blessed financially. Uh, I can remember an, another particular, and this is just another area of, of thinking, that there is uh, an individual that I know extremely close, and one of their children uh, was heavily, heavily, extremely heavy in drugs, heavy-duty drugs, drugs that would kill you if you're on them for a very short period of time at all. They hadn't even seen this child in uh, six months to a year and knew the last time they'd seen him, this child was heavily in drugs, looked horrible, almost like a skeleton, so this individual decided they're going to pray with their whole heart. And so they were out in a barn, and in this barn where that there was just six inches of manure, that it was like they got a mental picture of seeing this child in the morgue, dead. And it was like the Holy Spirit says, if you don't pray, that's where you're going to see this child. So this person that I know very well fell right into 
the manure face down and then to begin to weep and cry with their whole heart, praying in the tongues, praying in the spirit. And they told me that it would be a lie if they told me they prayed for 15 minutes because they were so lost in the spirit, so focused on this child not dying and being free from drugs and living for God. And they had said that if they told me that it was five hours, they have no way of knowing. When you pray with your whole heart, you're not concerned about a time element. When you pray with your whole heart, like Hezekiah, it's like it's like time is is lost. You're not you're not aware of time. That it it could be five minutes or it could be five hours and you don't know the difference because you're so focused on the need, the concern, and not a time element. And they said that as they laid in this manure, praying, crying in the spirit, that all of a sudden there was a break and all they could do was laugh. They knew. They knew there was a breakthrough. There's a place. When you pray with your whole heart, you can get to a place that you know that you know that you know that you have the answer. And Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, is another passage of Scripture of praying with your whole heart. It says, call on me, and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things. And that word call has to do with praying with your whole heart. When you will pray with your whole heart, with everything that you've got, then that God will answer, and you'll see great and mighty things that you've never seen. If you haven't seen the great and mighty things, if God hasn't answered, you haven't called. You've got to make that decision that time element is not a factor, that you're willing to pray if it takes two days of praying. When you have that strong willingness that I'm not leaving this place of prayer if it takes two days, I'm staying here until I hear from God, you will hear from God in a very short period of time. And this person told me that the next day they were driving down the highway, and this particular highway, it would be like one out of probably a billion chances for this to happen, that all of a sudden this child drove right by him on this highway. There was a glow on this child's face, and that child was totally broken from cocaine, free, totally free by the power of God. And immediately the child began to come to church and serve God with their whole heart and work for God and still doing the same thing, totally free from the wages and the torments of, of alcohol, of cocaine, and the demonic influences. And guess what? That God is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he does for the other. It's God will get as serious with us as we get with him. And it's we've got to pray with our whole heart. Another example, I can remember many years ago, this probably happened... Uh, 20 years ago, and um, my dad uh, was 
has always been a very, very, he's my best man friend on the face of the earth. Just my best friend. And uh, so I got a phone call from my aunt, my aunt Ruby Balu in Mobley, Missouri. And she called me up and she says, Mel, she says, your dad is dying right now. Uh, he's laying in the floor and um, he's drooling at the mouth. His eyes is rolled back and he's dying. That I don't see how he can live very long. And it was probably, it's it's about uh, a two hour, hour and 45 minute drive from where I lived. Normally speaking, I would have gotten my car and drove as fast as I could. And I know I shouldn't be going past the speed limit, but in that kind of a situation, my dad meant so much to me that I would have I would have got there as soon as I could have. But I've got to take you back two weeks prior to that. As you study the Bible, that you'll find that there are some dreams that are visions. In fact, the word dream and visions are interchangeable terms many, many times in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And so some dreams that we have are not dreams. They're really uh, spiritual encounters. You're having a vision. And Job chapter 33, verse 14 through 16 spells it out better than any passage that I know of to verify what I'm saying, that dreams, many dreams, are visions. Let Let me quote this for you. For God speaketh once, yes, twice, yet a man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men in slumberings upon the bed, then he, God, opens the ears of men and women and seals their instructions. If you'll look at this passage, you'll see it's very plain that God is calling a dream, a vision, because he says God speak. And here's what happens that so many times during the day God is speaking to us, but we get so busy mentally and physically that we don't hear his voice. So he has to wait until our body's asleep and our mind's resting, and then he can speak to our spirit directly in a, in a dream, it says in verse 15, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men in slumberings on the bed. Then he, God, opens the ears of men and seals their instructions. And so that's what took place. I was asleep, and during the night session, that I don't know what time it was, it was dark and during the middle of the night, and I had a dream. And I seen my dad, and he and I, we were working in the field together, in which we that's where we had most of our fellowship. We worked together. We worked hard together in the fields and and that sort of work and and so we were building a fence and I seen my dad and he was he had fallen over in this dream and he was laying on the ground uh shaking and so I went over and I picked him up and I'm lay I'm sitting on the ground and my dad is in in my lap and I'm holding his head up and he dies in my arms well when that happened I woke up And I know, because I know what the Bible has to say about visions and dreams, I knew this wasn't a nightmare. I knew God was warning me. See, God will warn us. And uh, so I got out of bed, and I went into the other room, and I laid on the floor. And I said, Dear God, I'm not leaving this place of prayer. I'm not going to leave this place of prayer. 
until I know that my dad's going to be okay. I'm going to break that spirit of death. I'm going to break it in Jesus' name. And so I'd be lying to you if I told you that I prayed for five minutes, three minutes. I don't know. I wasn't concerned. I didn't care. And I'd be lying to you if I told you I prayed for five hours. I have no idea if it was two minutes or if it was five hours. I have no idea. I made up my mind. I'm not leaving this place of prayer until I know that I know that I've heard from God and that I have victory. That's what it means to pray with your whole heart. No is not an option. You're staying there until you have it. And and then all of a sudden, it felt like a black cloud was on top of my back, pressing me down. And I felt it lift and vanish. And then it was like God was standing right next to me. I didn't see him with my physical eye or my spiritual eye, but I just perceived the presence of God. And I perceived his voice. I didn't hear an audible voice. I've heard God speak in an audible voice before, but he didn't speak in an audible voice. This was more real than an audible voice. Audible voices are natural. This was supernatural. And it was like God told me, your dad will not die and he'll live. And so I couldn't cry no more. The crying, when you get an answer, you can't cry anymore. You don't have any sorrow. That You don't have to intercede anymore. You don't have to pray with your whole heart. You've got your answer. And so the only thing I could do was smile and laugh. I knew. I knew that I knew that I knew that I had the victory. I prayed with my whole heart. And then it was two weeks later that my Aunt Ruby called me. And when she called and she told me the situation, I didn't mean to be disrespectful, but it just came bubbling out of my spirit. I just kind of chuckled and laughed. And and I says, oh, Aunt Ruby, I says, he's going to be all right. I've uh, God's already warned me about this previously, and my dad's fine. And so then I hung up, and probably ten minutes later, my dad called me up, and he talked fine and never, ever had that problem again. That's what it means to pray with your whole heart. And God is no respecter of persons, that we have people out here that are hurting because of the fact that they have loved ones, that the detriments and, and, and the works of the devil needs to be broken off of their lives. And if they'll, if they'll follow this teaching that I've given of praying with, with your whole heart, uh, that you can have the same results. Uh, you can break that, that demonic spirit of, uh, of poverty, of lack. You can break those demon spirits that... Uh, a rule and reign over loved ones. We can't make them get saved, but when we get rid of the demonic spirits they, and open up their understanding that they'd be influenced by the Spirit of God, that the chances are extremely strong for them to accept the Lord. And so we can we can do these sorts of things. That uh, uh, recently there's a lady in our church. She's a widow lady, and um, in fact I'm going to give you her her name, Linda McKinney. And she comes to our church. She's a widow lady. And many years ago, that well, not too many years ago, but maybe about eight years ago, that uh, her husband was under some kind of influence, and he uh, gave their house away and all of their savings, which is about $300,000 of savings, and uh, gave their house away. And I don't remember how he did all of this, and he did it 
because he had full control of the finances and she knew nothing about it. And then he died shortly after that. And so now she's left a widow lady and she has no place to go, no place to live. So she is going to, by faith, rent this house. So she's renting this house. She never told me. And, and what integrity, what integrity. She didn't come to the church and beg for handouts because she's a widow lady and she's driving a school bus now. And she's a lady of about 60 years of age, got the joy of the Lord on her like you wouldn't believe. And it's just, it's absolutely supernatural. You'd think she is a multi-billionaire and here she is in great debt and, and, and drives a ragged old car, or was anyway, and so anyway, she learned the teaching of praying with your whole heart, and now she's $5,000 overdue in her um, uh, rental payments. And so she learned to pray with her whole heart, and she prayed with her whole heart, and she says, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. And see, that's where people miss it sometimes, that we, sometimes we limit God, and we just want one channel. Say, God, I need the money. I need the money. No, you don't need the money. That maybe God wants to do it another way. There's, there could be a hundred different ways. This is the need, God. I'm praying with my whole heart. And however you choose for this need to be met, it's okay with me. It's okay. And so, so she prayed with her whole heart, and she came to church one day, and she had more joy than she normally does. And she's always, I'm, you, you, can't, you cannot find Linda McKinney in a shopping center on the street or in the church, any different. She's always full of joy. And, and she says, she come up to me and she says, Pastor Mel, very respectful person. And she says, I want to tell you something. She says, you know the $5,000 that I was overdue? She says, I went to my landlady and I told her, I says, look, I'm sorry. I can't come up with this money. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and move. And I'll do the best I can to make it, the payments I can for you. But she's praying with her whole heart. And about a week later, the landlady came to her and says, Linda, Linda, forget the 5000 Let's just start over. Pay me what you can. What a miracle-working God. Wow. Shortly after that, someone gave her uh, a, a pretty nice car, uh, a Toyota car that's in excellent condition, uh, which is probably ten times better than what she had. And uh, so God has done that far, and uh, so she's doing real well. And so we, we see all sorts of things like this, that uh, people buying clothes that I can remember Don and I when we didn't have the finances. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 55, the Bible says that God will teach us to buy without money. And and we've bought clothes. There, there, I can remember the first time I did this that I, I didn't have enough money. I had enough money to maybe buy a shirt. And I said, God, I believe that a man of God ought to come to church because we're going to see the King of Kings. And so I believe in dressing up to the best of my ability. That uh, I, I believe that's something very respectful that everybody should do. That, uh, my goodness, if I was going to go to the White House to see the President of the United States, even if I didn't like him, I'd put on my best. And so would everybody else. How much more should we go to church? We're going to, we're going to honor the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so anyway, that's how I believe. And um, uh, so anyway, I didn't have enough money to buy a shirt, and I prayed and I prayed. 
And finally, God told me exactly the mall to go to. I can still remember it. He, he says, okay, Mel, go to this mall. And he says, and when you get to this mall, go to the end of the mall, go downstairs, and it'll be the first men's shop on your right-hand side, and they'll have, and there you'll be able to buy a suit. I went in there, and I bought two suits for the price of a shirt because they had these two suits, and these two suits were misfits. They didn't fit nobody else but me. They were a perfect fit for me, and they've been sitting in there, for a year, and the guy can't get rid of them, and so he says, man, just take them. And so that's what it means to pray with your whole heart. Your needs can be met no matter what it is. Don't limit God to money. Don't limit God to your income. Don't limit God to uh, your occupation. Uh, Don't limit God to your abilities. You know, let God be God. And... um, we find that uh, in the Bible that uh, Jesus, in Mark in chapter 6 and verse 5 and 6, uh, here Jesus being God, God in the flesh. And the Bible says that Jesus went into Nazareth, and it, it says in verse 5, it says that Jesus could not do any mighty works there. Only he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And so when you study this passage of Scripture out, the word mighty works, that phrase, it's no mighty works. In, in, in the Greek, it's deutimus. God, God could not. It didn't say he would not. It says he could not do any miracles there. And only he laid his hands on a few sick folk. And if you study that passage of Scripture out in the Greek as well as in context with the rest of the Word of God, you'll find that... Um, there were no more than eight people, and the worst sickness was like a common cold. And that's all that God could do. That's all Jesus could do. And then it says in verse 6, it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And so true Bible belief is believing the word of God and energetically, forcefully, with all we've got physically, mentally and spiritually, taking what belongs to us. And there wasn't anybody that uh, in that whole city, only eight people uh, that had just a little bit of belief. And that's the only thing that Jesus could do. And so if you'll study, I think it's Psalm 78 and verse 41 or 40, where it says in the Old Testament, they limited the mighty one of God. And so what takes place is people that don't pray with their whole heart or do not know how to pray with their heart, their whole heart, they limit God. And uh, uh, so the conditions need to be right. And the Lord gave me this illustration many years ago that I was driving down the highway, and most of the people in the United States are in countries where that uh, you can drive pretty quickly. Um, you have experienced this. And so I've experienced it many times in my life, but many years ago I was driving down the highway, and it was just pouring down rain, just pouring down rain. And um, the sky was black, and rain just pouring down, and drove right out of the rain into a, a real dry setting. The ground is cracked and parched. The sun is shining bright. And so I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why isn't it raining over here, but it's raining over there, just 10 feet back? It's, it's pouring down, but over here, it's, it's not raining at all. 
And the Lord spoke to me and said, very simple, the conditions aren't right. I, it can't rain because of the conditions are not, are not right. If we want the reigning power of God's miracle power flooding our life, we have to get the conditions right. And the conditions are that we have to believe God's word energetically, forcefully taking with all of our mind, all of our spirit, and with all of our flesh. You know, another good illustration of, um, uh, of praying with your whole heart and, and, and taking, you know, taking the, the, the things that God has given us. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Another uh, good illustration of this is uh, uh, like a person that is underwater. And so somebody's holding your head underwater. And maybe you can hold your breath for 45 seconds, and after that, you need some air. Well, if you're under the water for 45 seconds, and that's the maximum that you can do is 45 seconds, when it starts getting 30 seconds, the only thing you're thinking about did you hear what I said? The only thing that you're thinking about is air. You're not thinking about, oh, I've got some kind of a pain in my body. I've got some kind of a sickness. You're not thinking about, well, this person has been gossiping about me. These people don't, they don't like me. You're not thinking about, well, I've got bills that are overdue. You're not thinking about uh, the grand finale things in life that maybe that you have been enjoying uh, that uh, uh, the Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever state. I know how to be content whether I'm abounding or whether I'm being abased. And uh, so you're not thinking about any of those things. The only thing you're thinking of is air. And if somebody come up to you in a skin diving suit and they begin to talk to you under the water and they say, if you'll just stay under here three more minutes, I'm going to write you a check for $4 million. That doesn't mean anything to you. What good is it going to do? You're going to be dead in another 15 seconds. The only thing you're thinking about is air. And so with all of your mind, with all of your spirit, with all of your physical strength, you push up to get air. That's a good illustration of what it means to pray with your whole heart. And if you'll do that based on the Word of God, finding scriptures to support what God has promised you, and do that with your whole heart, you'll get the blessings of God. God watches over His Word to perform it. God's a good God. If you enjoyed this special CD, and you would like to find out more about our other mentoring tools, or watch or listen to our archives of our TV or radio broadcast, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org.